Welcome to Business Integrity Matters, a show that applies God's Word to your work, discussing business basics and encouraging you to live out your faith Monday through Friday. Check out our complete schedule, practical business tools, and much more at businessintegritymatters.com. Now, get ready to build trusted organizations and enduring legacies by applying God's truth to your work with Business Integrity Matters. And now, here's your host, Bradley Waldrop. Well, welcome to Business Integrity Matters. You all caught me chatting in the middle of the studio. And welcome welcome to the show. We have kind of a fun show today. Lots of different things going on. And I'm not sure whether or not uh, you guys were part of the show last week. But um, if you weren't part of the show last week, we have been right in the middle of the Patriarch era. And the Patriarch era is, uh, for me, kind of a fun place to be, except that, like I said last week, when I was a kid, I hated history. And uh, history is rough, and, and history can be really rough in the book of Genesis. I don't know, um, you know if, if you have that kind of problem, but I do. And if you have that kind of problem in the book of Genesis, don't, don't read Leviticus because it's even worse. But uh, over, over the years, I have become um, sort of an, a, an appreciator of the Old Testament and how all of the Old Testament uh, truths sort of just play right into how badly we need Christ. And so for me, it's really kind of a, a neat opportunity to go through and look at the stories and then draw from those stories business parallels that just make sense. Uh, whether they're business parallels or ministry parallels, it doesn't really matter. Uh, we're, as we are struggling to lead organizations in a godly way and be able to honor God in what we do, uh, it's all very, very important. And but, but before we get into the show today, I just want to say, do you ever realize that there are some people out there who, I don't know, when I was growing up, I always thought, there were some people out there that, that probably needed a license to have kids, right? Well, I think the same is the same is true to license to, to be able to type on a computer, uh, to send email and to Facebook post and things like that. Have you ever have you ever seen some of those posts that you think, man, you should have slept on that? Um, I'm not sure why you sent it out the way you did. I'm not I'm not sure that that uh, you should have worded it that way. I happen to be blind copied of all things, blind copied on an email uh, earlier this week in which someone totally blasted an organization and then in the last paragraph asked for their help. And I, th I thought to myself, that's a little bit bizarre, a little bit crazy. Uh, I'm not sure why that happens, but it does. It happens all the time. We, we just seem to get impatient with uh, the people who are around us and not extend the grace that they need and uh, maybe not be able to put ourselves in, in the other person's shoes. And in all of that, I think that that's kind of why it's so neat to be able to go through the patriarch era, because we get a chance to put ourselves into somebody else's shoes, learn the lessons that they learned, and not have to necessarily... Um, make the same mistakes. We can observe the same mistakes and, and do our best not to make them. Uh, so we're going to, you know, if you're in ministry, today is a really fun show, is we're going to talk a little bit about uh, we're going to talk about Isaac and Rebecca, and we're going to talk about uh, Esau, and we're going to talk about Jacob and how that whole family dynamic goes together. Uh, lessons that they learned along the way, being able to fulfill God's will, um, maybe even pushing God's will a little bit. Uh, and so if you're in ministry, this is really appropriate because sometimes we have to sit and wait uh, for what God's timing is on certain things, and it doesn't feel very good. Uh, we know we heard very clearly from God, but we don't know 
exactly what his timing looks like, or even if, if his promise is going to be through us or to us rather than, than through us. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. If you happen to be in a business, if you own an organization you and you're trying to figure out how to honor God with your work, oftentimes you have heard very clearly from God that you need to make your business part of a ministry. And that doesn't necessarily come with a a very clear timeline. It doesn't come with a series of steps. It doesn't come with anything other than a very direct call that you're going to go and do. And and then what? And and so that's kind of where we are going to be today. If you happen to be working in one of these organizations and you are the heir apparent, let's 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 talk about the heir apparent real quick. If you're the heir apparent, uh, today's show is definitely for you because Esau was the heir apparent, and it didn't go the way he expected it to go. And um, you know, he had some choices in all of that as well. But uh, it's really kind of an interesting set of stories. And so far in this patriarch era, if you if you sort of fly at thirty thousand feet, the thirty thousand foot look at the patriarch era for me is how to really understand. How to, how to deal with generational promises that God has for us, and how to create ministry, how to create businesses in a multi-generational approach so that it's not all about us, that we really understand that we have a piece of it, and our obedience is that piece, and wherever God takes it, God's going to take it, and and to rely on His providence in all of that. And so, we get a chance, like last week, we talked about Abraham, and we got a chance to look at his life a little bit and the, and the lessons he learned from his own father. And, and what's so unique about this next week is, or this week that we're going to be talking is, we're going to be talking literally about that next generation and finding out, well, what he learned from his dad and what he's hoping to impart on his own kids and how that whole thing goes down. And so um, that multi-generational look is re- really where we're going. And next week, in order to wrap up all of the gener- the multi-generational pieces, the patriarch era, we're going to talk about Joseph. And we're also going to be doing a live, as, as far as I can tell, we're going to be doing a live ca- broadcast from the National Religious Broadcasters Association in Nashville, Tennessee. And that should be an absolute hoot. We have a whole bunch of technology we're trying to figure out how to make work. And if you've ever been on the cusp of trying to launch a brand new exercise with a whole bunch of new equipment and everything else, um, there is a lot of stress or a lot of trust in God to get it done because we could <laughs> we could do our very, very best, and we'll find dead batteries, we'll find uh, video cards that are full, we'll, we'll find microphones that don't work, and I know it kind of is what it is, and, and we, we're just going to go, and we're going to do what we can to report back to everyone else what happens at these big conferences. And this particular conference, I don't know if you know, but the the most of the religious broadcasters whether they be on TV or radio all show up at the same place annually and they talk about what shows are going to be be picked up uh, we have a friend uh, scaly adventures here's a quick shout out to the currents uh, the scaly adventure adventures last year went to the National religious broadcasters Association on a total shoestring uh, they did everything they possibly could to make the right kind of splash the way that they could and they went up and down the aisles to promote their show, and lo and behold, out of all of that, they got picked up by a couple of the broadcasters that, that were there, and then weeks later, they got a phone call from Daystar. Daystar, of all, all, all organizations, 
broadcast in 600 million homes worldwide. Over 2 billion people are exposed to this brand new show called Scaly Adventures. And we did an interview for with Scaly Adventures last year. Uh, about, I don't know, maybe March or April of last year. And what a fun exercise. I went to their studio in their house, and we sat down with with Rick and Tanya and Pierce, and we got a chance to chat with them. We're going to see them at the National Religious Broadcasters Association's meeting this year. And when we do that, uh, we're hoping to be able to get either another interview with them or have them on uh, on the radio with us when when we broadcast on Saturday morning. We haven't exactly worked out all of the schedules yet. Uh, it is hard to get very busy people all together in the same place for the for our own purposes, not necessarily theirs. So uh, we're going to do just do the best we can uh, with all of that, and I'm really excited about that particular event. Uh, it's going to be a road trip. We're going to do everything we possibly can to be good stewards of the fun, the funds that have come in for us. And I, if you have supported us in the last two weeks, I just want to say thanks. Uh, th- this has been um, a humbling experience. And in the humbling experience, we know that we have a responsibility to spend the money the right way. And, and we are certainly not going to be in five-star hotels. We're going we're gonna to be doing everything we, c- we can to go on a shoestring and spend it very, very wisely. And I'm going to open up those books and show everybody exactly what we spend it on so that if you have any questions about any of that support, we're, we're here to just be as transparent in that process as we possibly can. And, um, you know, uh, if, if you haven't supported it, uh, I get that. Um, we, we could use your prayers. That's really all we really need right now is just prayer, that, that, that the right doors get kicked open for the right purposes and that we get a chance to be introduced to the right people along the way. And uh, with all of that, you know, we're going to take just a little bit, a little bit of a break here, and then we're going to come back. And when we come back, we're going to talk very, very specifically about the patriarch era. And we're going to talk about Isaac, and we're going to talk about Jacob, and we're going to talk about uh, Esau and all of that, and Rebecca and her role in it. And then after we do that, we're going to practically apply that to our own businesses or our own ministries. Uh, and at the tail end of the show, we actually have a, a special treat for you. We have um, an in get or in studio interview with folks from Map London, and it should be an awful lot of fun in that interview. So stay tuned. We'll be supporting the local community. WGNW 95.7 The Choice 95.7 The Choice would like to thank Dry Pros for their generous support. Dry Pros has 27 years of experience in the cleaning, restoration, mold remediation, and waterproofing of homes and businesses just like yours. Whether it's a routine cleaning or restoration from flood damage or mold, the team at Dry Pros has the experience to get it done right the first time. Cleaning all types of floors, windows, fine area rugs, and upholstery, they cover it all. For more information, their number is 828-277-9511. That's 828-277-9511. Or visit them on the web at www.drypros.com. That's www.drypros.com. What is the center of your universe? Has that brought you true satisfaction? The center of your universe will determine if you are truly satisfied. Jesus 
is the center of the universe, the source of all satisfaction. Curious? Explore Centrality, weekly opportunities at 5 p.m. at 12 South French Broad Avenue in the Cornerstone Church Sanctuary. For more info, go to www.centralitychurchashville.org. Did you know that cassia essential oil was an ingredient in the holy anointing oil given to Moses? Cassia essential oil has properties that are antibacterial, antifungal, anti-inflammatory, and antiviral. 95.7 The Choice would like to thank Jackie McLaughlin for her generous support. For more information about essential oils, visit oil-essentials.com or call Jackie at 828-452-2958. That's 828-452-2958. Asheville's Choice, 95.7. sort of giving you a recap on where we were going this next week with the, with the National Religious Broadcasters Association. We were talking a little bit about this multi-generational concept of businesses and missions, uh, businesses and, and uh, nonprofit organizations or ministries. And what's so interesting to me about it is, you know, if I really think back on this, if, if I'm honest, I want to say that, um, and, and it's, sometimes it's hard to do this, it's, uh, if if I look back on being called to come out to Western North Carolina, uh, I would have expected that when I got here that things would be a lot easier, that uh, it would be simpler, it would be clearer, it would be um, almost a cakewalk because uh, God's in it, right? And I think that that's – I think that that is part of the frustration that we see even in the story of Isaac and Rebecca with their own kids um, but it but it plays out all the time in ministry. It plays out all the time uh, by people who are really disciples and trying to understand it all. Where uh, somehow or another, we have in our minds that once we get called, it's like God will put together all of the pieces for us. And and and, and right, we've got people in the studio just laughing and falling over because we know it's completely and totally opposite that. And I mean, for example, I mean, let's look at. Let's look at Isaac and Rebecca, right? Isaac grew up with Ishmael until he was a young man, and, and then Ishmael had to leave, right? And Ishmael had, was blessed with 12 kids. So Isaac is the uncle of 12. He is the, he is the, the, the half-brother of one, and his life was on the chopping block, he was on the altar getting ready to be sacrificed by his own dad. He's seen God come through in those very strange times. Yet, it for him, under, he understood he was going to be blessed, but I don't know if you've read the scripture. The scripture says that he was 40 years old when he, when he married Rebecca, but he was 60 years old when his kids were first born. That's 20 years of marriage, trying to figure out how to have a kid. He learned a lesson from his dad, 
who also went through a long period of time trying to figure out how to have a kid. And he went right to God and said, I, I, you know, I understand you're supposed to bless through me, but I don't know what all that looks like. And, and Rebecca did the same. And, and when Rebecca goes to God, he, she has this very personal relationship with God. I, I love this whole conversation. If you, if you sort of sit there, I can't even imagine what it's got to be like to be the wife of Isaac, to know that the, that the future generations are supposed to come through you, and you haven't had a kid in 20 years. And to go to God, and for God then to say, you're going to have a kid, but I'm going to turn tradition on its head. The older is going to serve, or the younger is going to serve the older. And culturally, that's got to be very, very strange. I mean, really, if you think about today's traditions and and the oldest kid and and being favored and and what have you, um, it's a big deal. And it's a huge deal that that in God's own will— said, I'm going to do it completely and totally different. And, and, and I can't even imagine in Rebecca's mind then how often she was trying to figure out how to game the system as the kids were growing up. Because, because Scripture actually says that Isaac loved Esau, the first to come out of the twins, and Jacob was loved by Rebecca. So there is this special relationship that dad has with Esau, partly because I would suspect it's traditional Hebrew culture and says that the firstborn son is, is to be cherished. And not only are they the heir, but they're the heir of twice what any of the other relatives get, right? Double fold or dub, a, a, a double inheritance. That's a, such a huge deal. And so, so Isaac is spending his entire life building into Esau, a man's man, a guy who's out there killing things and bringing home the bread, right? And, and Jacob, well, he's kind of a mama's boy. I mean, at the end of the day, he's kind of a mama's boy. Mama loves him. He's been hanging out in the house. He knows how to cook, which is a great thing, right? It's really a great thing for him because he ends up getting his brother's inheritance through a meal, I mean, of all things, Esau comes in and says he's just exhausted. And, and in being exhausted, somehow or another, he, he favors immediate satisfaction of his own stomach to the future inheritance of his entire family. I mean, wow! He must have either been really hungry or super impatient. And, and I think it's the latter. I think he's just super impatient. And, and I think that, I mean, I, I certainly can understand that. I get it. I want instant gratification. I, I want to be able to sit down on the table and, and sometimes I'm not, I don't even understand what I'm willing to give up for that instant satisfaction, that instant gratification. And I think that that's kind of what I look at when I see Esau because later in the scripture, it actually shows that Isaac was was not just blessed, but blessed 100-fold in what was, what, what, whatever he sowed, he, he reaped 100-fold. Wow, in one year? Are you kidding? That would be like uh, a guy going to work and, and getting $25,000 a year, and then the next year, not getting 250000 but getting $2.5 million. What? Think about that in your own mind. And if your kids, if, if they were challenged for the inheritance of the $25,000 a year, and, and then all of a sudden um, 
they, they swapped it. They sold it. Somehow or another, they, they, they deeded it over to someone else. And then, and, then, and then years later, they find that it's not $25,000 a year. It's $2.5 million a year. Uh-oh. No wonder why Esau goes back to dad and is trying to figure out how to, how to get the blessing, how to, how to participate, how to, how, to, how to be approved by dad. And, and the deed is already done. It's over. For me, when I look at that story, I see myself right in the middle of that story, trying to figure out how to participate now in the, in the, in the pleasures of, of, the, of the stuff I mean, I, everybody on you know whoever's a regular listener of this particular show knows that I spent an entire career being an idolater, chasing after the the, the money, the position, the power, uh, driving the fast cars, and and uh, really enjoying uh, the money. And it was for me, and it was for instant satisfaction, instant gratification. And had I done it different, I knowing what I know now, I would have spent it completely different. I, but I didn't, and and I'm wondering whether or not we have families who are out there right now who um, who are participating in the family-owned business that have have looked at the family-owned business and have said, you know what, Dad, you know I watch you work 80 hours a week, and I watch you bring home nothing, and I don't want any part of that. And in fact, if you give me a piece of it now, I'm willing to give it away later. Somebody else can have it. I wonder how many different ministries there are. They're watching mom and dad travel all over the place and, and not get blessed along or not feel like financially that they're blessed along the way, that they're struggling, they're, they're pinching pennies, that, they're, that they're, they can't make the bills. And look at it and say, you know what? That's not for me. What's for me is to go find the job that doesn't mean anything, to go find the income that's fast, and to, and to go and, and do all of that and take away the potential blessings that could come along the way. I mean, I, I think that this sort of sense of instant gratification is a real problem. And I also think that we have, we have an, another issue here that sort of gets brought up, and that is that toward the end of their story – and when, when Isaac is blessed this hundredfold, God says that it is a blessing. And so for the, there are people out there who would, who would say, look, you know what? You're in ministry. You don't deserve to make any money. You're, 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 you're out there on the front lines for God, and, and, and you need to be poor. That's not true. If you go back historically and you look at the Bible, God blesses and God blesses and God blesses and God blesses. It's a heart condition. It's not the money. It's not the possessions. It's the heart condition that's the issue. And, and so those of you who are out there who, who really do have a heart for a particular ministry, and, and you're looking at their lifestyle and you're saying, you know what, I, I, they, don't, they don't deserve it. They don't need it. Well, you know what? Maybe they do. Maybe they, maybe they have been obedient. Maybe, maybe that, that obedience is, is, has been touching all kinds of lives that you, you, you can't even see. And because of all of that, it's okay to give. It would be a huge blessing because they're using it the right way. They're using it as a they're seeing it as a blessing, and they're continuing to do whatever they have to do in order to to push forward with this particular ministry or this particular type of work. And so, you know, it, jumping into ministry can be very, very scary, and and it is uh, pinch and pennies sometimes. But it doesn't have to be, and it's not supposed to be. And I guess that's where I'm coming from. It's not supposed to be. And we're supposed to be able to, to give an inheritance to the next generation. And, and in doing so, it's not about us building up wealth to be powerful. 
It's, uh, it's, it's, it's about our heart condition and understanding that it's a blessing, and it's a blessing to be able to, to provide to others. Think about, uh, here's just really quick before, before we have to go on a break, think about what it would be like, I mean honestly, think about what it would be like if, if there was enough money in the bank that, that you on a, on a weekly basis could f- put 16 or 24 hours into a ministry and not worry about the paycheck. I mean think about what you could do in three days of your week if you had the resources available. As a, as a business, think about what life would be like. Let's say you're the owner of the business. What would life be like if there was enough money to be able to sponsor a team to go somewhere else? What would it look like if there was enough money to be able to support a local cause? What would it look like if you weren't worried about salaries and you and 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 pitching in uh, to your own four hundred one k to to just simply get better than everyone else, and, but but to have enough in resources to just do what God calls you to do. Imagine the freedom that you would have to be able to sit down at a cup of coffee with someone and say, you know what, I'm, I'm here and I'm not worried about not working right now because it's been already provided. God, I get, I get it. He's blessed me and he's called me to go and do this and have a cup of coffee with you so that you can understand that you're created so uniquely, and you also need Christ. I mean, wow, imagine the world after all of that. And so, you know, this multi-generational thing, has it's so complicated. And there are, there are family dynamics that are so confusing. Why did Rebecca do what she did? I have no idea. I would love to sit and have the conversation with Rebecca and figure out why she was trying to game the system and, 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 and toward the end there deceive her own husband about what children were going to get the blessing. I mean, if God told her, God's going to work it out. But she jumped in there in the middle of all of it anyway. Um, and, and I think we tend to do that too. And so, you know, with all of that, I think it would be important for us to just sit and think about what God's plan is for us and figure out how to simply be obedient to the plan and not try to game the system. And, and in all of that, there is hope in it because we know historically that generation after generation after generation, when they are obedient, just like these guys' stories, when they're obedient— God continues to provide the promise through them, not necessarily to them, but through them. And what a neat opportunity to be part of the ride. I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, I, I'm a year later from, a year and a half later from embarking on something that I never even understood before. Uh, I, I've been on the radio before last April, uh, but, but this has been an amazing ride, and I'm holding on to God's coattails and as hard as I possibly can with fog three feet in front of me. Um, and I and I didn't even – I used to be concerned that the promise was to me. Now I'm more concerned that the promise is through me. So what is it that I have to do to be obedient in all of that so that the other people as this genera- multi-generational show or multi-generational ministry or whatever – I don't even know what it is right now. But – but what is it that I need to do today so that other people can be equipped to take it further than me, that, that I could go part way and someone else can continue to, to go? I don't even know what the end looks like. But the beauty is being on the ride is unbelievable. So when we come back, we're going to talk to the Helms family about their trip that they're trying to take to London and uh, specifically about Map London. And we'll, uh, we'll be right back. You are listening to 95.7 The Choice, where we're not afraid to play a six-minute song. 
Christian concerts and events? Where can you get news from a Christian perspective and encouraging articles written by and about the local Christian community? Turn to the Journey Christian newspaper. Available in print and online. Visit www.journeychristiannews.com or call 828-676-6535. The Journey Christian newspaper. Encouraging Christians on their walk with Christ. Did God tell you to move to Asheville but you don't know why? Well, maybe we can help you with that answer. We have named our church after the book of Acts in the Bible. We call it the Acts Church. We as humans have overcomplicated this life here on earth and our understanding of God and the Bible. After all, there are only two things that God has told us to do. We are to love Him and to love each other. Come as you are and meet the love of a lifetime. His name is Jesus Christ. Visit us at AxeChurchAsheville.com. Did you know that sandalwood essential oil is considered by many cultures to be a sacred oil? Sandalwood contains 90% sesquiterpenes, which can cross the blood-brain barrier and carry oxygen to the cellular level, making this a powerful oil to support brain function. 95.7 The Choice would like to thank Jackie McLaughlin for her generous support. For more information about essential oils, visit oil-essentials.com or call Jackie at 828-452-2958. That's 828-452-2958. Programming at 95.7 The Choice is made possible with the generous support of business partners like Area 22 Guitars. Area 22 Guitars is Western North Carolina's only boutique guitar shop. Whether it's an American-made, all-tube, hand-wired amp like Matchless, divided by 13, Car, or Fargen, or a U.S.-built custom luthier electric guitar brand like Anderson, PWE, Zion, Rowan, or Gatto, Area 22 Guitars specializes in the unique needs of the discerning musician. They carry a full line of boutique effect pedals like Keenly, Exotic, Rockbox, Menatone, and Wampler. And their acoustic guitars include Breedlove, Larravee, Eastman, Bedell, and Crafter. Area 22 Guitars, not your average guitar shop. For more information, go to area22guitars.com or call them at 828-884-2222. That's 828-884-2222. like musical chairs around here. When the music stops, you need to make sure that you're sitting. Uh, if you're not sitting, it's a problem, right? Are you sitting? I'm sitting. All right. Okay, we have with us uh, both Gary and Ashley Helms. And I got a chance to meet Gary at a Christian Business Fellowship not very long ago. And I, I just have a, I have a heart for what you guys are doing. You're out there on the cutting edge. You're, you're out there uh, on the edge for sure, whether it's cutting or not, who knows, right? Um, and uh, it, you have, you guys have a special call in your life, and I want to talk a little bit about that as we get going. But before we do, just can you do us a favor? There are some people on the radio that just can't see us, and so can you say hi to each one of us and let us know, uh, kind of, as you're doing an introduction, what, when you felt like you were called to go on this particular journey? 
Well, uh, I'm Gary Helms, and um, I think it the, the genesis of it started probably when I was a kid, as my my aunt was a missionary in the Philippines for about thirty seven and a half years, you know, and so I knew all about what it looked like to be be a missionary just from her. But I would say um, recently, probably about two years, two and a half years ago, I was sitting at my desk at work here in town, and just asking. God, what what is it that you would have me do for the next phase of my life? And as I sat and pondered that question, um, I was also reading a book by Tim Keller called The King's Cross, and just felt the Spirit start to really shake me and uh, ask me, what is it that he would have me do? And that's kind of where the genesis of this all began. That's great. And you, Ashley? Um, I w- I'm Ashley. <laughs> and... Um, I would say that um, I felt called to missions really early in my life, but um, for this uh, endeavor, um, I think that Gary kind of drove the train on this, which um, has been great. Um, I I think that discipleship has really um, transformed my life. I really grew up thinking of myself as a person who needed to serve God to earn his favor. Um, And I think through discipleship, um, I have really been able to see myself as a child of God who's free um, to serve him wherever he leads us. And so when Gary said, how about going to London? I was a little bit taken aback because I'm fairly introverted, um, and so it was a little bit scary to move to a city of you know eight to ten million people. But at the same time, I trust that God is our loving Father, and um, just really feel feel like He's He's led us here. Well, you know that's great. You you both brought up something I, I want to come back to, uh, Gary. You you actually said you were sitting at a desk at work, uh, some somehow or another. I think that there are people out there who are hearing maybe your story for the first time and uh, or anybody's story for the first time and think that somehow or another you you uh, you grow up in a Christian household and you believe that that you just need to be on a mission somewhere and you don't actually ever have a real job and and you never have the security of a paycheck and a, and healthcare and all those other things um, and then when you get called into a mission to be sort of out of control and at God's mercy in all of it. Uh, what, what, is that, what, what does that really look like for you guys? Well, um, you know what? The thing is, is we've, we've been at our jobs probably about 20 years now. And, you know, we can really become people who are addicted to comfort. And so that's, you know, that's where both of us sort of have lived for the last few years. You know, we got married about 10 years ago and kind of getting settled into marriage and then working our jobs and it's feeling like, oh, we've, we're, we finally arrived, so to speak. And yet God nudging at our hearts and saying, well, what does it look like for you to move beyond that point uh, for the sake of others, for the sake of a call? And so that's kind of where it kind of just was working in my heart, so... Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, I, I know a lot of people who feel like they finally arrived. And when they got there, they fear, realized that the, where they arrived was the wrong destination, <laughs> right? Sort of like me. I, I, I had that same problem. And, and I have a, a really great friend, John, if you're listening. I'm going to share your story a little bit. Um, that 
you know, you, you get to this sort of executive level or kind of where, where your goals originally were. And then all of a sudden you look around and go, wow, this is almost kind of empty. And now I've got to figure out how to do something different. And Ashley, when you were answering the question, you said something that's so remarkable that I don't know if people – there was a nuance to it that I don't think people really understood. That you said you sort of lived your life feeling like you had to earn the favor of God, right? And it would, that's a real common thing, I think, for a lot of people who say, you know, simply say, well, you know, I'm behaving well, so I must be going to heaven. Uh, and, and in all of that, there's this pressure to behave well uh, because you're trying to earn something rather than trying to honor and glorify God and worship him and, and feel indebted to him for the price that he paid. Um, what, what, how did that transform in your life? How did – when you shift gears, what, what does that look like? How did that happen? Um, yeah, I think that I lived as a um, pretty fearful person. I, it looked like me uh, really struggling to make decisions, um, really feeling like um, the weight of the world was on my shoulders to live my life so that um, God got glory, um, which I think, you know, there is obedience and um, seeking to give God glory is great. But I think the shift for me was um, really seeing that God is in charge of that and not me, that, um, you know, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free um, and that the love of Christ is what compels us. And so our action and the motivation of what we do with our lives comes from his great love for us. And uh, that's what compels our obedience. And so, yeah, it's, it's shifted, um, you know, my perspective on decision-making, um, my ability to love others um, and see how self-absorbed I get sometimes when I'm so focused on doing it my way so that, uh, yeah, it looks good. <laughs> well, that's, you know, it's interesting because I mean that, I think that plagues a lot of people. They, they, they don't understand how to live freely, so to speak. And, and it's, it's a hard concept to, to sort of grasp. But I, thanks for sharing that because I think that there are a lot of people out there who are still trying to earn their way. And oh, we don't have to, which is, so, which is so great. So tell us a little bit about Map London. What is Map London? And here is, here is sort of the big question that I know that there are hundreds, hundreds of people asking the same question. You probably get it all the time. Why London? <laughs> right? I mean, they're, they're, a, they're an industrialized nation. Uh, they're our friends. And you know, why, why London? Well, there are several reasons. But first of all, MAP, the uh, MAP stands for Missionary or Ministry Apprenticeship Program. And what, the, what it is is that... Uh, uh, people come and apprentice as missionaries in London, uh, or there, or people who are nationals from London who actually stay and become a part of the program as well. And they work with a church plant that is currently in London, and they're trying to figure out: Is this what God's calling their life is? Are they to become a, a missionary somewhere else in the world? Are they to become a part of a ministry there in London, or a ministry back here at home, or are they just? Um, or they, or they come back and maybe be a lay person in a church who you know, gets involved in another job in life and yet uh, has this experience that they can really uh, fall back on as, as something that God really used in their life 
in that job. So that's that's what it's it's about mobilization of, of the church, uh, moving churches forward, and this is part of that program. Uh, why London? I'll actually talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are over 300 languages spoken in London. When people think of London, they think of Big Ben and um, and cups of tea and the Queen, and all those things are London. But there are also um, huge populations of immigrants that live in London, and oftentimes they're there for temporary um, periods. So you have people from very closed countries that are able to hear the gospel freely um, and then go back to their home country. Um, So the organization we're working with has um, several church plants within the city. Um, Two of them are specifically for South Asian populations. And so that's just one example of of an immigrant population where, um, you know, a lot of People from closed countries are hearing the gospel and able to live it out in their lives um, when they normally wouldn't be able to. And I'll also say that currently only 10% or less people actually attend any type of, of, of religious service at all in the city of London. So that goes to show you that there's a need there for people to, to be there uh, to talk about the love of Christ. You know, it's interesting because – yeah. When when Ashley was talking about the fact that there were there were so many that that come briefly and then go somewhere else, um, I, I think that even it would be sort of a, a pattern after really great business to figure out where your customer hangs out, right, and then go talk to your customer, and then wherever they go, they go. But it it makes it a target rich environment, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I, when we you and I, Gary, were talking about London, I was surprised at how few people participated in any sort of religious ceremony of, or, or you know, church or what have you in London proper. Uh, you know, in the United States, it's, I don't know, double that? Not very, it's, it's not very good. Um, we have, I think, over 50% of the people in the United States would say, yes, Christian. Uh, almost 90% of the people in the United States would say Judeo-Christian. But of the 50%, Less than 20 to 25% of the families in the U.S. are represented in any church on a weekend. So the system seems to be broken somehow or another. Uh, and, and so it, with the system being broken, do, do you guys work in London to help fix the system? Or are you just working personally with individuals to say, you're called, here's how to get prepared and go? Well, I would say that our role there will be to help uh, mentor, train, and disciple the apprentices who are going to be working with the church plants as they reach out to the different areas in the city. And so, our hope is to help encourage them to see what, it, uh, to help them figure out what it looks like to live on the mission field full time, and then have a place, a safe place for them to come back and express how things are going. Let's talk over some problems you might be having. Where is it that you fear in your own life, in your own heart? But you can't make a difference out there. So that's part of the thing that we'll be doing. And we'll get back to Ashley has a response that I know that she wants to say, and that's great. We're going to take a real quick break, and we'll be right back. WGNW 95.7, The Joyce. Did you know that cedar wood was used by the Sumerians and Egyptians more than 5,000 years ago? 
Cedarwood essential oil is believed to have been the first oil to be obtained by distillation and was known as the oil of gladness in ancient times. 95.7 The Choice would like to thank Jackie McLaughlin for her generous support. For more information about essential oils, visit oil-essentials.com or call Jackie at 828-452-2958. That's 828-452-2958. 95.7 The Choice would like to thank Dry Pros for their generous support. Dry Pros has 27 years of experience in the cleaning, restoration, mold remediation, and waterproofing of homes and businesses just like yours. Whether it's a routine cleaning or restoration from flood damage or mold, the team at Dry Pros has the experience to get it done right the first time. Cleaning all types of floors, windows, fine area rugs, and upholstery, they cover it all. For more information, their number is 828-277-9511. That's 828-277-9511. Or visit them on the web at www.drypros.com. That's www.dryprospros.com. Welcome back to Business Integrity Matters. We are sitting here in the studio with Gary and Ashley Helms, and they are in the process of, of getting ready to go to London as part of a mission, uh, a new lifestyle for them, and being able to help disciple others, get them prepared, send them in the right direction in their own ministries. And I mean, it's, it's a very, a very tricky kind of thing to go that far away and participate. But before we left on the break, we were talking specifically about the t- types of activities that are going to go on in London. And Ashley had a response that she wanted to let us know. Yeah, you, you were talking about kind of the church system being broken and not um, a whole lot of people or not the previous um, generation percentages of people being involved in church. And I would just say the difference between our um, percentages here in the States and what's going on in the London area is that in the States, we have people that are trained. We have training. Um, You know, if you want to go through discipleship, there are people available to you um, to go and and pursue what you need. And there are people here pursuing you um, in the church. And I would say the difference with the church in London is that there aren't a whole lot of people trained in discipleship. There, the focus has been really theological understanding, but not really um, evangelical discipleship. And so there are a lot of people that have a lot of knowledge, but um, are lacking uh, the ability to connect the knowledge with the heart and use it in missions and be missions-minded. And so the MAP program um, really impacts the church in London by offering discipleship that otherwise wouldn't be available, um, even for existing churches, you know, English churches. Um, so. so I think what you just said, I, I could be wrong, but I think what you just said was that Map London is sort of the street smarts, but there are book smart people there, and there's a big difference between book smart and street smarts. That's kind of it's almost kind of what it was, right? The, if it's theological, yeah. we, we understand where to go find it. We understand what the what the what what 
what the picture of God is. But a real practical application to that to our own lives is sometimes a, a massive gap. We could read it and it's just words on a paper rather than being part of our own lives. I think that's kind of what you said. Yeah, there's not, it's not a lot of hands and feet put on the gospel to go out and, and to help grow people's faith. Their, uh, you know, in, in their everyday walk, and what it looks like to be just a part of culture as a Christian. So, well, and I think that when we were sitting and chatting, having a cup of coffee, Gary, we talked a little bit about one of the other nuances that's that is striking for me because I didn't grow up in London. I also didn't have an appreciation for the the state ownership of the church or the government ownership of the church and the political nature that it is the church and to really appreciate the founding fathers running from that kind of system to a system where they could participate on their own the way they needed to without all the politics and um and, and for me that that was really unique and and so could you help us out a little bit and talk about what that really kind of looks like in London well well the the Church in London is, uh, you know, the Church of England is run by the government, and so any money that is collected from taxes that goes to a, any particular church, it goes towards that church. So I would say most of the people in London, if they ever step foot in a Church of England, is there for um, a confirmation, they're there for a wedding, or they're there for a funeral. That's about the only three times people would step into an English church in London. Not, I wouldn't say all the time, but that's, that's a big portion of it. They call it hatching, matching, and dispatching. <laughs> I love it. It's like a creaster in the United States. Whoop. Hatching, matching, and dispatching. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so, so you don't. I think that when we get that bigger picture, it makes perfect sense. Well, why London? I mean, really, why London? So in order for you guys to go to London, though, you are in the process of trying to figure out how to find folks to support you, how people how, have people come and, and continue to, to provide not just prayer but real tangible assets that you can go and live out there and, uh, and in living out there – Take care of regular expenses, or I mean, what is what kinds of things are you going to end up spending money on uh, that people are going to be providing support for? Well, the biggest thing is the fact there's, there's several financial things that that occur because we're going to London, and part of that is the fact that London is was one of the most expensive cities in the world to live in. And then the second thing that really hurts us is the fact that our dollar is very weak against the British pound. So it compounds the problem as far as finances. Now, as far as what kind of things will the money go towards, um, the biggest cost that we'll have will be housing just because of the fact that it's so expensive to live there. And then other other things will be uh, ministry expenses, um, uh, also insurance, Social Security uh, is also part of that. Let's see if there's one other category I'm missing. Uh. That's, that's that's the three I can remember. So but, that's okay. Yeah. That's all right. Uh, and ministry is kind of funny. When people choose to give, sometimes they give one time, and sometimes you're asking them to give over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And if you have those continuous gifts, you get a chance to, to be able to manage cash flow and and have some sort of financial stability along the way, even though you may not know it exactly. Um, are you looking for both kinds of contributions or one or the other? Well, you know, 
obviously we'll take any kind of contribution. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, well, but, that was a dumb question. That wasn't. <laughs> but, but the thing about um, we're, we're, we really would like monthly supports because that's going to sustain us while the field, on the field. One time helps us get there, and it'll give us a boost while we're there. But monthly support is what continues to help us stay on the field for the for the full time we need to be there. So it's a five year term, and we're there. Um, for, for the five years, and we have monthly gifts coming in from anywhere from $10 up to $250 a month, and they're just people that are pledging to give that amount monthly. So you're, I think you're trying to partner not just with individuals but companies or other organizations if you can find them. Is that right? And once again, I mean, we're looking for people, part of the body of Christ, wherever they are. That's individuals, that's couples, that's businesses, that's churches as a whole. Uh, you, know, you know, sometimes businesses would like to have places in which they could go and find somebody they can support and believe in what they're doing. And so if you believe in um, an organization that's looking to uh, help grow young people into uh, – not just better people, but people who really care about what the next generation is going to look like, and and just the the gospel going forward. If you're, if that's something that you want to be invested in, that would be we'd be the place for that. So, I think that what you just said was really important. I I, I think that there are a lot of people out there who don't really understand the difference of the worldview. That was just 50 years ago in the worldview that is today. 50 years ago in the United States in particular, we had a lot of very traditional families. We had a lot of very conservative values. We had a lot of folks who were just God-fearing folk. They understood God's perspective in a lot of things. And over the, the years, we tend to buy into the lies about what's important and, and not pursue God. And in all of that, we're talking about a completely different culture somewhere else that is even older and further separated from a worldview than we are in the United States. And for me, that that is sort of what's important. And for those businesses or other organizations who are out there who really – who get it, they, they have a workplace ministry or they have a, a leadership team that has a heart for Christ and they're trying to figure out how to change the worldview – then equip people and, and go talk about what the real worldview is. Let's go tell the truth and and get rid of the lies that are out there and and, and support them and, and allow them to do that. And so in order to do that, they partner with you. They partner with Map London. Uh, they, they partner with lots of different things. And, and so I think that that's neat and it's a good opportunity for them to be able to do that uh, and, not, and not just throw money at um, – I don't know, a book or whatever they end up doing, but to, to really equip real people with the street smarts that they need in order to change hearts and minds for Christ. That's a, that's a huge thing. I appreciate you guys being here, and uh, what you guys are doing is an amazing thing. It takes a lot of guts. Um, how can other people get information about you uh, and about Map London? Well, you can go on uh, Map London's website. That's maplondonnow.com. Uh, that'll give you more information about the program itself. Also, at the top of the page, you'll see support uh, uh, map at the top. And probably halfway down that page, you'll see our picture. If you click on that, it'll give, us, give you more information about ourselves and how you can help support us. That's great. Before we leave you guys, is there anything else that's kind of on your heart or on your mind that you want to just say to the people who are listening? 
Um, I would just say, you know, we're all missionaries where we are. Um, we're all called to um, have the gospel knowledge that we have in our head really impact um, our lives and our hearts and, um, you know, that the love of Christ does compel us to move out of where we are toward other people. Um, and so thanks for having us and thanks for your program. And, um, yeah, just want to encourage folks to let the, the love of Christ compel them, whatever it is that he's calling you to do. That's great. Well, thank you very much for being here. And I am, uh, like we said, we're going to continue to promote you guys and do what we can to get the word out about what what you guys are up against and figure out a way to find other partners for you along the way. Um, and uh, I'm just excited to know that you guys are out there and you're equipping people to be able to just say practical things to, to folks that, that, that do connect the, the book knowledge to the heart and, and change lives. Yeah. Thanks, Bradley. Appreciate absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. And we're, uh, we're going to wrap this up. We're done. Uh, so we will be in Nashville next week. And uh, with all of that, may God richly bless you and your business. Take care. And that wraps up this week's edition of Business Integrity Matters with Bradley Waldrop. To learn more about us, you can find us on the web at businessintegritymatters.com. And there you will find our complete schedule, practical business tools, and much more. That's businessintegritymatters.com. Be sure to join us again next week. And on behalf of Bradley, may God grant you a blessed week.